It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and it is presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use that promo code PODCAST1 so you get the 50% sign-up bonus today. He, of course, is Joe Dolan. Follow him on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. Got yet another email already this week, Joe, that said, didn't think you could ever replace Evan Silva, but Joe has done an outstanding job, and it's true. You really have. At FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, love fantasy football, love the Even Money Sports Betting Podcast. And coming off a week in which I was up seven units, seven, boom, boom, needed that, boom, boom. Anyway, uh, together we are the Fantasy Feast Podcast, the show that's so nice. We do it twice. We go through every game, talk about every relevant fantasy football player. Thursday night game and the Sunday one o'clock games are in episode one. We don't want to send you an hour and a half podcast not very consumable so we break it up into two we record them both now and we drop the second one into your podcast app shortly after midnight because we try we used to do them both at the same time but some of your podcast apps would totally freak out about getting two podcasts in the same rss feed uh, on the same day so we don't want to mess with your podcasts As always, Joe, we will start with Thursday night football just two days away already. It's the Colts. It's the Texans. We'll start with the Colts where T.Y. Hilton says he wants to play Thursday night, just needs to check all the boxes. Got to tell you, not a big fan of the guy playing on Thursday that didn't play on Sunday. I'd rather him wait until the next game and give it 10 more days. We saw James Conner try to do that last week. Didn't work out real well. And honestly, Ross, one of the things that it does for me is it gives me the heebie-jeebies because you know this is a calf injury, and I know it's completely anecdotal, but it reminds you of Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals, you know, playing on a calf that and such an important weight-bearing muscle, especially for somebody who's trying to be as explosive as Hilton. So, hey, I, look, I hope he can play, but some of the quotes coming out today were not exactly the most encouraging. When he suffered the injury, he thought his season was over. Um, so it really was a painful injury. He couldn't put any weight on it. Uh, obviously, we know the Colts are significantly better when T.Y. Hilton's out there. Last week against Jacksonville was the first time since T.Y. Hilton was drafted that they have won a game that he did not play in. It just tells you how important he is. And when you look at the receivers that Jacoby Brissett was working with last week, Marcus Johnson, Zach Pascal, Chester Rogers, Ashton Doolin, none of these guys are moving the needle whatsoever. It's a Philadelphia level of of wide receiving group for Jacoby Brissett, and that bared out in the numbers. I thought Brissett probably played better than his numbers indicated. He went 15 for 24 for 148 yards and a touchdown and a pick, also added a rushing touchdown. But for fantasy purposes, everybody's hoping T.Y. Hilton uh, is going to play in this game. He is a Texan killer. Over his uh, last seven games against the Texans, he has basically six receptions and 111 yards per game with four total touchdowns in those last seven games against the Texans. T.Y. Hilton is a Texan killer. If he does go in this game, I don't know how you can't play him, but I, I'm kind of, in terms of thinking from a football and not necessarily fantasy standpoint, I'm kind of with you, Ross. Uh, it, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies that he'd be playing here on the short week. Meanwhile... Uh, The man with the double spin move, Marlon Mack, he broke his hand. He's out. Talk to me about the Colts' backfield. And this is one we're going to be taking a guess on because Jonathan Williams, who was a really talented prospect coming out of Arkansas a couple of years ago, just never really put it all together, had some injury problems, goes for over 100 yards rushing last week. 
But Jordan Wilkins was the guy working ahead of both him and Naeem Hines on the depth chart, at least on the early downs, before he got banged up last week. He's looking to try to play this week. So Jonathan Williams and Jordan Wilkins could maybe split the early down work. Your guess is as good as mine. I would in terms of in terms of the fact that he's been there, that he's been ahead of Jonathan Williams all season up until this point, I would probably default to Wilkins. But if you want the guy who isn't banged up, then you go with Williams. Naeem Hines is the interesting pivot because whether it's Wilkins or it's Jonathan Williams, we know Naeem Hines is going to have a role. He's the receiving back here. And it has it's been like pulling teeth produ- production-wise with him. He had only six touches last week, three for 24 receiving. But the Texans have been one of those pass-funnel defenses. And you do wonder if this is a game in which the Colts are going to say, hey, we'll dump the ball off as our surrogate to our run game. The one guy who I know for sure is going to have a role is Naeem Hines. The other two guys, I think you're guessing on, and that's what makes them a little bit iffier for me. Okay, given the running back and wide receiver stuff you mentioned, does that mean anything else for Ebron or the tight ends? Well, how about how Ebron comes out two weeks ago, and he and he this he wasn't disrespectful in any way, but he went to Frank Reich and said, please, increase my role. And he's had uh, two of his better games the last couple of weeks, and his best game of the season came against the Texans earlier this year with four for 70 and a touchdown. Jack Doyle did not get a target last week. I actually like Eric Ebron this week, especially for those of you on one-game DFS slates. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got the Houston Texans. I don't know how much we can take from that last game other than too many sacks and the lack of pass interference on the DeAndre Hopkins play was an abomination. It was it was a terrible no call and Ross. I mean, there's going to be some some changes coming. We know that rule is going to go away. I wonder if the NFL is going to to in, in, incorporate a sky judge soon. I think everything's on the table. Um, but the, it's clear that the officials are struggling with with a game that is becoming next to impossible to parse uh, live and in action. And that's something that the league and the officials both have to look at. However, getting back to the football standpoint, you know the the quarterback discourse kind of bothers me now. Deshaun Watson, he played a bad game. It doesn't mean he stinks. You know, he could go on a tear here over the last six weeks of the season and talk himself back into the MVP race. Uh, It it just seems like it's becoming a a very, very, very reactionary and hot takey. And I understand what Lamar Jackson's doing right now, but Deshaun had a bad game. Let's see if he bounces back. And I think one of the things that really is hurting him right now is the lack of Will Fuller. Hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh, Fuller injured his hammy against the Colts. Uh, uh, back in week seven, and Watson hasn't even been a top 16 quarterback since week seven. He was the overall number two quarterback through his first six games. So that Will Fuller injury has clearly meant quite a bit uh, for Deshaun Watson. If he gets back, I certainly think Deshaun Watson is going to be in a position for a bounce back. Got it. All right. What about um, Carlos Hyde? What about the receivers? Who, Who are the guys to be on? Uh, Kenny Stills has been a disappointment since Will Fuller went down, you know, because he had in week seven after Fuller got hurt, he had 100 yards in that game, but he hasn't really done anything since. He's a wide receiver for at best. DeAndre Hopkins, you're playing every week. Uh, Pierre Desir uh, has been the Colts' top corner when healthy this year. He actually last played in week seven against Hopkins, but you're playing Hopkins anyway. The tight ends have completely fallen by the wayside. Nothing for Darren Fells here. Um, and Carlos Hyde got scripted out of the game last week because they got blown out, but he actually ripped off a 41-yard touchdown late in the game. Um, The Colts have a really, really good run defense. They stifled Leonard Fournette last week. They stifled Hyde earlier in the year. This is a backfield where both Hyde and Duke Johnson are mid to low end flexes for me. Okay, let's move on to the Sunday 1 o'clock state slate. We'll start with the Broncos Cortland Sutton, Lindsay, and the boys had it rolling for a while on Sunday, Joe. And then that kind of went away. Uh, they're playing at the Bills, typically not a great place to rack up a lot of fantasy numbers. 
And uh, you're once again, you know, Ross, you have these little uh, these little lines where you talk about how, hmm, I don't know if this one's going to be great for fantasy. I will have you know you're right on again because this is the lowest projected scoring total of the week in the Vegas markets at a minuscule 37. That is bottom of the barrel when it comes to NFL lines. And you're right on. We are not expecting a ton of production in this game whatsoever, though I will point out Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported before the game last week that he thought uh, that the the Broncos had told him they were going to commit more to Philip Lindsay and work Royce Freeman out of the lineup a little bit more. That actually came to pass. Philip Lindsay played a season high 64% of the snaps and saw 18 opportunities to Royce Freeman's 30% of the snaps and nine opportunities. So Philip Lindsay right now is the back that I want to play here. Uh, and that Buffalo run defense has been a problem. Consider Philip Lindsay a high-end RB2 this week, and that's important because Cortland Sutton is almost certain to see the, sh the shadow coverage of Tredavious White. Sutton is having a quietly great breakout season, but Tredavious White shadowing him with Brandon Allen throwing him the football does not give me all the good feels. Uh, I'm downgrading Cortland Sutton to a wide receiver three this week on the low end. I mean, I know this wouldn't be a week for him, but what do you think of Brandon Allen? Uh, he's a guy. I think he's a guy. Um, he, his arm doesn't look great to me. Um, what, what did he complete less than 50% of his passes last week? I, I mean, maybe he has a future as a backup, but nothing he's done so far says, whoa, the Broncos don't have to draft a quarterback or don't have to add one. He went, obviously, 17 of 39 last week. Uh, he's not hurting Sutton, and he's actually targeting Noah Fant a ton, which is important. Noah Fant had 11 uh, targets against the, against the Vikings last week. Super important. He's coming on a little bit. I like that uh, Brandon Allen's throwing the ball to Sutton and he's throwing it to Fant, but other than that, I haven't been terribly impressed. On the other side, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. That might have been the best game he's ever played. It was, the uh, best was game not he's good. Ever was the only game I got wrong on the Even Money podcast. Up seven big units there, but I had the Dolphins getting the points and Josh Allen, John Brown. They were awesome. I was not expecting that against the Dolphins D that had been playing pretty well. It was playing pretty well, but sometimes that old history, that uh, that old uh, what what have the, what have they done in the past comes out. And Josh Allen has absolutely incinerated the Dolphins in the past, and he continued it with arguably the best game of his career. He's a guy who I think has a strong grasp of the mental aspect. I do believe he gets impatient at times, though. But when he works through uh, his progressions, he's changing plays at the line of scrimmage, and he's trusting his receivers. And I think we, we've come to find here that John Brown is a way better NFL receiver and fantasy receiver than a lot of people have given him credit for. This guy's a stud. Um, he and Michael Thomas continue to be the only two players in the NFL this year with at least four catches and 50 yards in every single game. So John Brown, even though I'm expecting he's going to draw heavy shadow coverage from Chris Harris, is a guy who I think has to be in your lineup um, at bare minimum if you're starting three wide receivers. I can't imagine you have three who are more reliable than John Brown. How about uh, any other receivers or running backs, tight ends for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, the problem for Devin Singletary last week was only one target. However, he played 74% of the snaps. So he's the only back you can play here. Cole Beasley, as always, he's somebody you can play if you need a PPR option, but only four targets last week while John Brown got 14. Maybe Allen leads, leans a little bit more on Cole Beasley, uh, knowing that, knowing that, uh, Chris Harris is going to be on John Brown. Uh, Dawson Knox, however, uh, he's somebody with 71% of the snaps last week. He's had some problems with drops. That being said, he is starting to come online. Uh, it's it's really, really, uh, uh, it's really, really a talented player. And we know how hard the tight end position is to learn. Rookies typically don't produce. Dawson Knox is somebody, though I prefer in this game, I prefer Noah Fant. He's somebody to be looking at in the future, and especially for 2020 when he's going to be a popular breakout candidate. Moving on, it's the Giants and the Bears, which is kind of yuck and yuck. I guess yep. we'll start with the Giants yuck. Uh, this would be the third lowest projected total of the week at 40 and a half points. Um, Saquon Barkley doesn't look right to me, and I wonder if the buy is going to help him out. If the buy does not help out Saquon Barkley, my advice to the Giants would be to shut him down. 
And that's why I'm telling people, look, we're taking guesses here. There hasn't really been a game-changing waiver wire pickup this season. It's been one of the worst years I can remember for season-long just guys who you picked up off the waiver wire in week four or five and were in your lineup the rest of the season. We haven't even gotten a guy in the last five or so weeks who, who has emerged as a consistent starter for you, with the exception of maybe a Debo Samuel. But I'm advising people to pick up Wayne Gallman because if the Giants think Saquon Barkley doesn't look good coming out of the bye, I do think better judgment will prevail and they'll shut him down and they'll get him ready for 2020. He is averaging just two yards per carry with good matchups over his last three games against the Lions, the Cowboys, and the Jets. If you have Saquon Barkley, you have to play. You do. But I'm just saying if you have Barkley or even if you don't, Pick up Wayne Gallman on the waiver wire because he's somebody, if the Giants choose to shut down Barkley, who is clearly not 100% right now, is going to get the bulk of the work here in the backfield. That would be a piece of advice I, I would I would think anybody who's in a position to be in the playoffs for fantasy should take right now. And, you know, it's interesting. I kind of like what some of their receivers have done, like Slayton and Tate. What's what Agreed. You might have said this, but what's Evan Ingram's status? Uh, uh, not looking great right now. Um, uh, we don't know yet if he's going to, uh, if he's going to practice this week, obviously practice doesn't start until Wednesday. Just keep an eye on it. Um, let's, uh, let's hope, uh, I'm now actually looking at a report here. This is from NJ.com that, uh, and this is by, uh, this is by Zach Rosenblatt who covers the giants for NJ.com. It does appear he's taken a big step over the buy. So hopefully he comes back. That would be a huge boon to their passing game. But uh, Darius Slayton, we do have to figure out uh, what's going on with Sterling Shepard. I believe as of this morning, Darius Slayton was owned in under 30% of Yahoo leagues. So he's somebody who's still out there and is still available. And Chicago's secondary, um, even though even though they have the reputation as being a great defense, some receivers have gotten after them this year. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if one of these receivers can make a play. Golden Tate, you're playing each and every week. Uh, but Darius Slayton is really dependent on Sterling Shepard here. Ingram's the key because, as we saw a few weeks ago, this Bear defense got creamed by Zach Ertz. Uh, they put eight different defenders on him, and Ertz caught a pass on all eight of them, as our as our friend Fran Duffy showed uh, up on his Twitter feed, our friend from uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So Evan Ingram is going to be an important player here, uh, though – I don't necessarily consider this a great week to stream Daniel Jones. Just keep in mind that he has a really good schedule in weeks 15 and 16. Could be a streaming quarterback for your fantasy playoffs. On the other side, it's the Chicago Bears. And um, we don't know what they'll do with hit pointer Mitch. We don't oh, know what, what they'll do. It? I kind of feel like they'll go back to running the ball, although the, the Giants have been had in the secondary. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to um, do. You have to play Allen Robinson, whether it's Trubisky or it's Chase Daniel. I don't know how you can play somebody else. Maybe you take a prayer shot on Taylor Gabriel. The Giants have given up the eighth most fantasy points per game to wide receivers over their last five games. David Montgomery is dinged up uh, coming off a night game. Um, so you would think maybe you could put him in there. Tariq Cohen's kind of emerging. He had six targets and nine carries in that game. Uh, but it's, it's Cohen, it's Montgomery, it's Robinson, and maybe you take a prayer shot on on Taylor Gabriel we, we know what the what the story is here it's over for Mitchell Trubisky it's just a matter of do they go with him or do they go with Chase Daniel the rest of the season but he won't be the quarterback in Chicago next year he's given them no reason to think he should be yeah I mean we say the same thing every week it's Allen Robinson and then maybe David Montgomery I don't understand why they don't when get the ball to Tariq Cohen more often I maybe they just don't think he can handle it, but he was their best offensive player the other night against the Rams. He was the only one who scored a touchdown. He, he I think he gained 75 yards on 14 touches. Um, really just he, it's like pulling teeth with this Bears offense. And I don't think Matt Nagy's the problem here. I just think Matt Nagy is working with what he's got at the quarterback position. And, and to be completely frank, you look at this set of receivers and you're like, that's eh, not that good. I'd like to see Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller in the hands of a competent quarterback. I don't think that's necessary. I'm not trying to tell you it's a top five group, but we know what Robinson can be. And fortunately, and unfortunately, there will be no top corner matchup for Robinson this week like Jalen Ramsey last week. Steelers, Bengals. Uh, Steelers kind of still beat up. We don't know about Juju. I haven't even seen anything about Deontay Johnson. I don't, it's probably not looking real good for James Conner. 
Um, why don't we start with the Steelers? I don't even know what we know about them. We don't know anything about them, but I do know this. Uh, I, I seriously doubt James Conner is going to play. I, I would think Jalen Samuels is going to be the guy this week. Just fire him up. He's going to be chalky for DFS. In the two games James Conner was out of the lineup, 21 and 17 touches for Jalen Samuels. He's going to be a borderline. Actually, matter of fact, not even borderline. If there, if we get bad news on James Conner on Wednesday when practice starts, and I imagine we will, Jalen Samuels is going to be a top twelve running back on my initial rankings. That that that's a that is an utter guarantee wow. against this really bad Cincinnati defense. Wow, they only gave up seventeen points to the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, but Josh Jacobs still ran for over hundred yards. He lost a fumble in the red zone. So with Josh Jacobs was one of those right process, wrong results because he still ran for 112 yards and uh, only caught three passes. But keep in mind, Jalen Samuels can do it through the air as well. That's actually his where he's going to make his best impact. Guaranteeing you, if if we get bad news on James Conner, Jalen Samuels will be in the top 12 at running back on my rankings. All right. So on the other side, well, what we didn't really go that much into the in the wide receivers what what are you doing yeah. there because quite frankly we don't know i think the guy who i would take the shot on here because this is such a bad cincinnati secondary is james washington obviously both juju and deontay johnson went down uh last week head injuries for both of them you can never predict a timeline on a concussion uh, Washington was the number one wide receiver. Uh, Mason Rudolph did not play well at all. However, this is a much, much worse defense than even the Cleveland defense. So I'm uh, James Washington's the guy I would take a shot on. I would play Juju if he goes. We just don't know at this point if he will. On the other side, Cincinnati Bengals. Tyler Boyd's not happy. Auden Tate got hurt. Joe Mixon is playing well. And I'll tell you this. This is a time of year where you start to look towards 2020 a little bit. I'm going to have so much Joe Mixon in the third round next year because everybody's going to look at what a terrible year he had. And you're realizing that this offense is going to get better because they're going to draft Joe Burrow. They're going to improve the offensive line. They're going to get Jonah Williams back. It can't possibly be as bad as it was for Joe Mixon. And now even still, Joe Mixon is starting to come alive here a little bit with 103 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown on 16 touches against the Raiders. So Joe Mixon's back in the RB2 conversation pretty solidly here. Uh, Ryan Finley, uh, I don't know if we can really truly evaluate what he's working with, but if the Bengals were were trying to say, well, maybe this guy's going to play really well and we don't have to draft a quarterback, they're not getting that level of play, just 13-31 for 115 and a pick. This is a team that's going to draft a quarterback. They're just trying to figure out if Ryan Finley is their guy the rest of the year. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver three at best against this defense, a defense that just took out uh, Cooper Cup, held him to zero catches. Not exactly the type of defense I, I'm really excited about playing Tyler Boyd. It's Joe Mixon or bust for me with, with the Bengals. Dolphins at the Browns. We'll start with the Dolphins. They definitely will not have Mark Walton. He was kicked off the team, released after a very, very bad off-field incident, which I guess means more Kalen Balazs. Oh, I hope not. Uh, Kalen Balazs with a with a Sterling Bettis line here. Nine carries, nine yards, and a touchdown. At one point in this game, he had the ultra Bettis, in which he had more rushing touchdowns than rushing yards. Uh, he had, <laughs> I believe it was his sixth carry in the game was a rushing touchdown, and he had six carries for zero yards and a rushing touchdown. Kalen Balazs is uh, under two yards per carry. This guy is not very good at football. One guy, if you are in a deeper league and and you don't mind messing with Dolphins, and as we've said on the podcast here, Ryan Fitzpatrick's kind of elevated them to a level of competency that they didn't have with Josh Rosen. How about young UDFA running back Patrick Laird from Cal? He had just one carry for seven yards, but he caught six passes for 51. If I were the Dolphins, I'd get Patrick Laird some more snaps. Those of you in PPR, if you're dying for a number three running back, Give Patrick Laird a look on the waiver wire. He is owned in a crisp 0% of Yahoo leagues. So there is a virtual guarantee he's out there for you. If you want a running back to take a shot on, because, uh, Ross, it is not happening for Kalen Balaj. And you can't just blame it on the offense because, as I just said, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for over 300 yards last week. He's been moving the ball all right. It is Kalen Balaj that is the problem, not necessarily the Dolphins' offense. I would like to see them get Patrick Laird some more touches. 
Wow, okay. What about at tight end and receiver for the Dolphins? Well, De- Devontae Parker has proven me wrong. Uh, for the first time in, like, what, six seasons, he is actually having a solid fantasy year. You can play him each and every week as a number three, number two fantasy wide receiver. He's been remarkably consistent. He has put up over 10 fantasy points in a PPR in every game since week number four. So he has been really consistent um, getting it done as a nice, solid number three wide receiver. Uh, Tight end, Gesicki is a low-end guy, maybe a top 16 guy. Um, And I'm not necessarily excited about streaming Fitzpatrick either. But the two guys who I'm really interested in looking at this week, and once again, it is a gamble, but looking at Patrick Laird and looking at Devontae Parker uh, against this Browns, I think those two guys should be the focal point of the Dolphins offense. On the other side, the Browns, they got off to a hot start um, against the Steelers last Thursday night. Kind of cooled, but they got the win. I, I really don't know how they'll react after the whole Miles Garrett thing. Uh, I don't know either. Um, it, it's bizarre, and especially now since they're in the they're kind of in the hunt now after reeling off a couple of straight wins. And like you said, Baker Mayfield kind of started off hot uh, in in that game. Then he cooled off for the first time in God knows how long. Odell Beckham has a good matchup. Look at listen listen to the last four games for Odell Beckham. New England and Stephon Gilmore. They had Denver and Chris Harris, Buffalo and Tredavious White, Pittsburgh with Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick. Those are the last four games for Odell Beckham. I think Odell Beckham goes off this week. I am playing him for DFS, and I I don't think I've played Odell Beckham for DFS since like week two. Like this is this is the week I they want him to get going. And I actually think I like Baker Mayfield this week for the first time in a long time. He has not thrown an interception since week number eight. He's thrown back-to-back two touchdown pass games against two tough defenses in Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I actually think this offense is showing signs of life. Maybe Kareem Hunt, which I had no confidence they would incorporate uh, nicely into this offense. He's actually given them a little bit of a boost. They've kind of used him as a slot receiver, using him in conjunction with Nick Chubb on the field. The offense just looks a little bit different to me the last couple weeks. I think this is a huge week for for Odell Beckham. I think Baker Mayfield's a good streaming quarterback option. I think he's a good DFS option. I will be loading up my DFS lineups with Odell Beckham Jr. this week, and I might stack him with Baker Mayfield. Okay. All right. What about the continued running back moves with uh, Hunt and Chubb? Sure. Uh, Kareem Hunt... uh, is getting he got eight targets last week um i think he had eight targets the week before so he is getting thrown the ball plenty he is on the ppr flex radar as a matter of fact he had nine targets in his first game back against buffalo so he has 17 targets in two games he is on the ppr flex radar that's james white level usage and we know james white is just a rock solid ppr back the good news is it hasn't cut into Nick Chubb's role because Chubb played 72% of the snaps and had 27 carries against the Steelers. The problem is it, it's limiting Chubb's upside in the passing game. He had just one target. But Chubb is a running back one with the projected positive game pl- flow. They're double-digit favorites against Miami. Kareem Hunt, I like him as a flex play. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, I like them both. And one guy to keep an eye on. If you're f- hunting for a tight end, This is going to become a theme on the podcast. We already talked about it with Noah Fant, Dawson Knox. But if you're hunting for a tight end down the stretch, David Njoku is eligible to come off of IR designated to return this week. And it looks like he's going to be ready to play. So I don't necessarily think I'd plug him into my lineup. But he's somebody, if you've been really struggling at tight end, maybe pick him up, stash him on your bench, and see what happens. What about Steven Carlson? What do you know about him? Oh, yeah, how about the touchdown? You like that? you, You like that? I, I was thinking of you, Ross, when I saw him get in the end how zone. About uh, his fir- how about first catch of his life is taking the ball off Mark Barron's back for a very critical touchdown catch? Uh, he'll remember that, especially if the Browns make a push to the playoffs. Well, he'll remember it anyway uh, for that. There was, a, there was two guys, I think, who had uh, touchdowns on their first NFL touches uh, in, that, uh, in that week 11. Steven Carlson, I think Kadri Allison from the Falcons also had a touchdown on his first touch. So, uh not not necessarily fantasy relevant, but I did smile when I saw Carlson get in the end zone because we had talked about him last week. Okay, next game. Buccaneers and the Jameis Coaster 
against the Atlanta Falcons and the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, the yes, 85 Bears me. over here. They, I mean, they, they literally, they literally went from being the worst defense in the NFL to the best defense in the NFL. And they've done it two consecutive weeks. Uh, well, I mean, Drew Brees two weeks ago, and then they really, really got to Kyle Allen last week, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. But look, Yahoo Leagues, the Falcons defense owned in just 2% of leagues. They are going to be the popular pickup. And the thing we love about Jameis Winston for fantasy, this is what I love about him for DFS too, you can consider stacking Jameis and his receivers and still use a defense against him because he's the type of guy who can throw for 350 and three touchdowns and, and throw two pick sixes. So I, lo- I love Jameis for fantasy because he's very giving to the fantasy defenses and he still doesn't necessarily hurt the receivers. Um, although Mike Evans did not have a strong game last week. That being said, I do think this is a good week for, for the Buccaneer receivers. Um, the Falcons are actually favored at home in this game. Um, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. I am so freaking glad I don't have Ronald Jones anywhere. This guy is driving everybody nuts. Uh, he has the breakout game two weeks ago, and then he comes out against the Saints and gets four carries and four targets on 31% of the snaps. Agunbawale is still their hurry-up back when they are playing from behind, and they are projected to play from behind in this game. Dare Ogumbawale is their back. He is their most trusted back in pass protection. So Ronald Jones is just not getting it done on a consistent basis. You're essentially throwing a dart if you're playing Ronald Jones for fantasy right now. Yeah, I mean, what else needs to be said about the Bucks? It's kind of crazy. I mean, uh, Jameis is probably losing people, <gasps> win, losing people weeks with all the turnovers. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you. The tight ends are driving me nuts. O.J. Howard, one of Jameis' interceptions last week was O.J. Howard's fault. It basically went off his hands. He, like, dribbled it into the air. And and they're going to – they benched O.J. Howard after that. Uh, Cameron Brait, 75% of the snaps and 14 targets. Hey, Cameron Brait, three weeks ago when O.J. Howard's injured, everybody in the world is playing you for fantasy because O.J. Howard wasn't playing. He does nothing. O.J. Howard has his best game of the year, which isn't saying much, against the Cardinals two weeks ago. So everybody, ooh, I'm back on O.J. Howard. Cameron Brake gets 14 targets against the Saints. This team is super frustrating. The only two guys I actually trust are Evans and Godwin. Though for dynasty purposes, I'm pretty intrigued by this Scotty Miller, the receiver from Bowling Green. He can really run. Ooh, okay, interesting. Um, 51% the other side. of the snaps last week. Yeah. What about the Falcons offensively? Uh, well, Brian Hill, the Brian Hill chalk did not come through for you. It was a really bad game for him. Uh, 15 carries for 30 yards, uh, three targets. He caught just one of them for eight yards. Really bad game for him. Uh, I don't know what else to say. We'll see about Devontae Freeman. Julio Jones, he's not been in any way a bust. Like, you would consider David Johnson's been a fantasy bust. Julio Jones has not been a bust. But is he winning people fantasy leagues? And when you take a guy at the one-two turn, you expect him to win you fantasy games, fantasy weeks. And Ross, he hasn't gone over tw- – uh, he's gone over 20 fantasy points in a PPR just once in his last eight games. And and look, maybe that's holding him to a super high standard, but that's what he was drafted to do. Uh, he's gone under 10 fantasy points in two games this year. He's catching balls consistently every week. But once again, we've got the, the touchdown problem he hasn't scored since week three. Uh, you're playing him this week. I like him for DFS, but he's been a really frustrating fantasy player this season. Yeah, I can see that. Um, what else on the Falcons? Running back, I mean, they're kind of – they're kind of a mess from a fantasy standpoint other than receiver. What about Hooper and the running backs? Well, you have to see if Hooper's back. Um, he had the MCL last week. Obviously, he's been their most consistent player for fantasy all year, and he didn't play. They actually used uh, uh, Jaden Graham as their top tight end last week. Uh, he caught two passes for 23 yards. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think this is another good week for him. The Buccaneers secondary is not very good. I do have a hunch this is a good Julio week, though. I, I know I just went on that spiel, but I do have a hunch this is a good Julio week. Brian Hill, he's a flex. Uh, obviously did not come through for you last week, and that Buck run defense has been good all year. Let's get to the Panthers and the Saints. 
Panthers, not not the finest moment for Kyle Allen, that's for sure. Now they got to go down to New Orleans where that Saints defense bounced back and terrorized one Jameis Winston. We know about McCaffrey. What are your thoughts on the other Panther skill guys? Well, how about this? DJ Moore has 10 or more targets in four of his last five games. He's had at least eight targets in six consecutive games. So this is his last three games in order. Seven for 101 on 10 targets. Nine for 120 on 11 targets. Eight for 95 on 15 targets. Even with Kyle Allen playing the worst game of his life, he had eight for 95 on 15 targets against Atlanta last week. DJ Moore, because he's only scored once this year, is having a really quiet breakout stretch of football right now. He's got 779 receiving yards. Uh, He's currently at 77.9 receiving yards per game. He is on pace for 1,250 receiving yards, but you didn't know that. No, I didn't. That's crazy. He's on the wide receiver two radar this week, especially if Marshawn Lattimore does not play again. If Lattimore does play, it knocks him down to a wide receiver three because it's hard to trust Kyle Allen after last week. But DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are the only two guys I actually feel pretty good about uh, on this offense. And Greg Olson's kind of a a low-end tight end starter. Once again, like I told you, uh, Cameron Braid had 14 targets against this Saint defense last week. So maybe you could take a shot on on Greg Olson. Um, Anything else for the Panthers receiver-wise or anything else or Kyle Allen until we get to the Saints? Uh, Curtis Samuel has just been really annoying for fantasy. He's one of those guys who's probably a wide receiver four. You plug him in and hope he scores. He scored He scored in three of four games before a dud last week with four for 25 uh, against Atlanta. Um, what about the Saints? I mean, Kamara was back. We also saw what happened with Michael Thomas, the most consistent skill guy in the NFL. He and McCaffrey, they're both in this game. What do you got? Well, uh, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to hurt myself, and I'm going to hurt us all for fantasy by saying it. This is the least annoying Sean Payton has ever been for fantasy. Even the Taysom Hill (laughs) stuff isn't really that annoying this year. Uh, Normally, Sean Payton, like back back a couple years ago when he had John Kuhn, was was getting him the ball at the goal line, throwing the ball to their number three tight end. They would bring in Tommy Lee Lewis, deputy U.S. marshal, and he'd and he'd do something <laughs> in the red zone. But this year, it's Kamara, it's Thomas, Jared Cook is emerging, and maybe you can use Latavius Murray here and there. And that's kind of it. the The other wide receivers have been irrelevant. Uh, Ted Ginn scored last week. I actually kind of liked Traquan Smith last week. He laid an egg. He had he had no catches on one target. It's kind of simple. You play Breeze, you play Kamara, you play Thomas. Those are three certainties. They're always viable for DFS. And some weeks you can take a shot on Latavius Murray if there's a projected positive game flow. That didn't work out a couple weeks ago against Atlanta, but I will have you know that New Orleans is a 9.5 to 10-point favorite at home against Carolina. Wouldn't be a bad week to fire up Latavius Murray as a flex. I think the Saints got their butts whipped two weeks ago, and they were committed to not letting it happen again. I talked to Alvin Kamara on my SiriusXM radio program on Sunday, and he said, look, you can't take a team for granted. Maybe they came out a little bit flat against Atlanta. They took care of business. I'm not worried about the Saints at all. They had a bad game a couple of weeks ago. Didn't happen again. I expect them to roll in this matchup. Sunday, 1 o'clock, we got a couple more. Seahawks at the Eagles. Why don't we start with the Seahawks? Their last game, uh, they're coming off a bye, so it was a while ago. It was that Monday nighter against the Niners. Well, the Seahawks are going to do what the Seahawks always do. They're going to come out, and they're going to run the football. However, we know that Eagle run defense has been really good this year. Uh, obviously, it was good again last week. By the way, I, I would like to th- uh, we nailed it on the podcast last week. We we knew that Eagles Patriots game was going to be a slot fest. Uh, it was it was a defensive struggle. They held Sony Michelle to ten carries for thirty three yards. Chris Carson, you can't bench him, but he's more of a high end RB two this week. And I will say this too: that Eagles secondary. Since they got Mills, Darby, and Maddox back, that's now a good defense. They played their best defensive game of the of the of the season against New England last week, overshadowed by the 
abominable play that they had at wide receiver, uh, which is becoming a trend for Philadelphia. But this is not a great matchup for DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett and company. They do expect Tyler Lockett to play in the game. Now, Lockett, you can't bench him. He's a, he's a wide receiver two. Metcalf is probably more to a mid to low wide receiver three in a tougher matchup than people think. And Russell Wilson, always a top 10 fantasy option. Um, everybody now, nobody thinks he's the MVP anymore because he didn't play last week. And it's such a recency bias award. Everybody's giving it to Lamar Jackson. Nobody And everybody forgot about Russell Wilson. But it's a tough matchup on the road, uh, basically a 10 a.m. Pacific time game for the Seahawks. You might be surprised to learn that they're underdogs in this game. But uh, Vegas just does not like the spot for teams coming cross country, probably against a team that just lost a really tough home game. It is a tough spot for the Seahawks. Don't be surprised that they score fewer points than you might expect in this game. Hmm. All right. Fantasy purposes, they're usually pretty narrow. We don't know exactly yeah. Tyler Lockett's status. Your thoughts on not know it yet. receivers, uh, Chris Carson, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, Carson, high-end RB2. Lockett, if he goes high to mid wide receiver two, mid to low wide receiver three for DK Metcalf. Um, we'll see about Josh Gordon. I'm not playing him for fantasy yet. The other guy uh, who you can consider is is Jacob Hollister because Russell Wilson loves his tight ends in the red zone. Um, since the 2017 season, Seattle t- tight ends have scored 33% of Russell Wilson's 92 touchdown passes. 30 of 92. So that's pretty freaking good. That's a high. That's a big sample now. So Jacob Hollister, if they get down in the red zone, could be, uh, it could be the apple of Russell Wilson's eye if you're looking for a touchdown. All right, so then for the Eagles, Joe, I mean, is there even anybody that, I, I guess, Ertz? Like, what, who are you even playing course, on the Ertz. Eagles football team? Well, this isn't a really good um, Seattle secondary, but I don't know how you can uh, – how can you play any of these wide receivers? I, I Like, have you ever seen a receiver twist himself into a pretzel trying to catch a ball the way Nelson Aguilar did at the end of that game? It was – that was pathetic, Ross. I mean, look, nobody's trying to tell you Carson Wentz played well. He missed throws. But with the game on the line, he put one where it needed to be. And Nelson Aguilar looks, Nelson Aguilar looks like, uh, his, like he just lost all his bones. And he, and he has just limbs without bones flopping around out there. I, I mean, this is an, an abhorrently bad receiving core. And we're not sure about Alshon Jeffrey. It looks like he might have a high ankle sprain. Uh, the Eagles just can't throw the ball right now. They have no weapons on the perimeter. It's Ertz and Goddard, and even Goddard's having trouble dropping passes. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't even know what else there is to say about the Eagles. Can we just move on? Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders, um, Doug Peterson said it was his fault. He didn't get the ball more. Um, I would expect to see him get the ball more if Jordan Howard can't play this week. But this is this Eagles skill set, skill position group is bottom three in the NFL right now based on injuries and the lack of talent. Next up, Lions, who I don't expect Stafford to play, at the Redskins, who are really struggling. This game is a a yuck, although Driscoll's shown he can move the ball enough to maybe put up some fantasy numbers for some of the skill guys in in, in Detroit. You want to save some money at DFS quarterback this week? Check out Jeff Driscoll. 15-26 15 to 26 for 209, two touchdowns against the Cowboys last week. Nobody, nobody's going to tell you the Cowboys are a high-level defense. However, the thing that I like about Driscoll is that he added 51 and a touchdown rushing. Um, he has 88 rushing yards in his two games, so he can move. Uh, he's got the two good receivers, Jones and uh, and Galladay. And this is a Washington defense that is not good at all. Gave up a huge game last week uh, to Sam Darnold. Um I think Jeff Driscoll is a decent streaming quarterback, one-week option this week. I truly do. You want to save some money? Jeff Driscoll could be your guy at the quarterback position. Maybe stack him with one of those two receivers, though it has been a struggle for Kenny Galladay with Driscoll at quarterback. But Driscoll, I wouldn't mind going in, using him as my DFS quarterback. And though I usually stack a receiver with my DFS quarterback, I wouldn't mind using him, quote-unquote, naked, and essentially using Jeff Driscoll as a quarterback, not stacking him with a receiver and hope he gets a bunch of rushing rushing yardage, enabling me to pay up at the other positions. Okay. Um, 
What are the other positions specifically for the Lions and your thoughts on them? Well, Jones and, and Galladay, you got to play each and every week as frustrating as it's been for Kenny Galladay. The, the the position everybody wants to know about for them is the running back position. Uh, it's a hot mess since Carrion Johnson went down. How about Bo Scarborough? He makes his uh, NFL debut, I believe, and uh, he leads the backfield with 1455 rushing and he scores a touchdown against the Cowboys, plays nearly half the snaps. J.D. McKissick is the passing down back guy, and it looks like Ty Johnson's in the doghouse. So I think Bo Scarborough and J.D. McKissick those guys are mid to low end flexes. I I don't know how to parse this this backfield. And the receivers, and how? Uh, Gall- yeah, Galladay and Jones. Uh, you play them every week. Gall- uh, I consider Jones maybe the more safe option right now, but it, it's hard to sit either of these guys, especially in this glorious matchup. As for the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins, as kind of expected, did not look real good. Uh, he is. I mean, he is the type of guy who, when he is not pressured, he looks the part. When he's pressured, he he completely collapses. And he was the same guy at Ohio State. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I know he had the tough matchup uh, last week. Uh, uh, but, look, uh, well, actually, it wasn't even a tough matchup last week against New York. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago when he played uh, Travis White. But he had three for 69 receiving. Um, he's a mid to low end wide receiver three because he's going to get Darius Slay in this game. I really do not like the matchup for McLaren. Although I will say the Lions pass rush hasn't been excellent, which could help Dwayne Haskins for the Lions for the, for the skins. It's basically McLaren or bust. And the problem is now the backfield's a mess. I think they should get Darius Geis more touches. He acquitted himself. He scored on the, the screen pass, but he played only 29% of the snaps. Wendell Smallwood was actually their snap leader in the backfield at 46%. And if Chris Thompson comes back, that's going to be his role. Um, Darius Geis is a low-end flex. I'm not messing with Peterson. Uh, McLaurin's a low-end wide receiver three. This is a really bad fantasy team right now. I think it's the worst fantasy team in the entire NFL right now. Wow. Okay, the last one in the early window and for this episode, it's the Raiders at the Jets. Raiders, another narrow fantasy team yeah they're really good for fantasy uh at at this point i wanted a little bit more from the raiders last week but as i said josh jacobs fumbled uh down near the red zone after he was running all over the Bengals. um uh, Derek carr made a bad interception and it looked like you know i played Derek carr for fantasy and it looked like i was uh for dfs i mean and it looked like i was going to go off you know he completed his first 11 passes um, and then Darren Waller, there was a little bit of a miscommunication in, in the end zone. And Carr just ends up running for a touchdown, throwing one, and it could have been a better game. But he does go 25-29. to 29. He's playing really strong football right now. So you have Josh Jacobs, who's a locked-in, especially in this matchup. He's a locked-in top 5-10 to 10 running back. Tyrell Williams is a solid wide receiver three. Darren Waller, although it's been tough, he hasn't been getting touchdowns, uh, he's he's probably an every week starter. And the one guy who I would consider if you're really hurting is Hunter Renfro, who's been seeing more and more targets in recent weeks. Uh, Derek Carr really seems to trust him. He's on that Cole Beasley level. Uh, He has seen at least four catches in each of the last four games. What about um, for the Jets? They kind of got it going now a little bit, Joe, offensively. Yeah, so uh, one one of the things I would consider... If you've been streaming your quarterback all season, how about this? Sam Darnold, over the next three games, gets Oakland, Cincinnati, and Miami. That's a great stretch. The hardest matchup is actually against the Raiders. Um, But that's a great stretch over the next three games. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones in weeks 15 and 16 gets Miami and Washington. I think you can make a legitimate playoff push at the quarterback position by stacking the two New York quarterbacks playing Darnold the next three weeks and Daniel Jones the last two. Now, that's a lower-end option, but it just goes to show you how you follow schedule around, and Sam Darnold had a good matchup last week, and he took advantage of it with four touchdown passes. Yeah. 
And how about that? He even got the tight ends involved, Joe. Yeah, Ryan Griffin and uh, and the camera lingo, Daniel Brown. He gets in the end zone. Um, Ryan Griffin, I think, is somebody who's a top 12 option this week against Oakland. The guy who I really like for fantasy for this team is, is Jamison Crowder, who has been uh, one of the most consistent receivers in the league uh, over the last three weeks. Eight for 83 in a touchdown, five for 81 in a touchdown, five for 76 in a touchdown. Those are his last three games. I mean, it doesn't get more consistent than that. So uh, he's a strong wide receiver two option for me. I don't want to play Robbie Anderson. I know he scored last week, but it was his only catch, a six-yard touchdown. Um, Not somebody I'm considering. The three guys I like the best outside of Darnold are Ryan Griffin, Jamison Crowder, and obviously Le'Veon Bell. It's like pulling teeth with Bell, but when a guy gets 92 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown on 20 touches, you got to play him. And, And it's not a bad matchup. Joe Mixon just had a strong game against the Raiders last week. Joe, that was awesome. Some may say it was a little box of awesome, which is what you get from boxofawesome.com, except it's not little, it's big. Why don't you start a new monthly routine that'll upgrade your life and style with a box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Whether you're looking to craft your own hard cider or toast perfectly aged fall cocktails Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, outdoor gear, it's pretty cool. You just take a quiz at boxofawesome.com, and then they'll help you pick a box every week. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but is over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box. When you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code FEAST at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code FEAST, for 20% off your first box. While you're at it, go to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and hear my power rankings today. Always very valuable. They are the official sanctioned power rankings for the globe, just so you know. They're the only... uh, power rankings that really matter or count in the international power rankings standards. We also have the college draft podcast and we talked about some legit receivers for this year's draft. You can get ahead of the game. If you guys play dynasty or whatever, Matt Waldman on the college draft podcast today. Other than that, we will record part two right now. Drop it in your podcast apps after midnight. I'm stuffed. A little bit of room for dessert. Part two is dessert. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.